0: Welcome to High Tide, Low Tide, the podcast where we talk about all things mental health and where we share our stories with the knowledge that it could just be the lifeline of hope for someone who is hurting and afraid that they're the only one. I'm your host, Lisa Scanlon, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. Just a little reminder here guys that we are discussing mental health in this episode so we may touch on things like suicide or self-harm which may be a trigger for you. As always I'll put resources in the show notes or know that you can call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Hey friends and welcome back to High Tide Low Tide. I am Uber excited this morning um, because I'm recording in my very new kitchen podcast studio with a guest, not alone this time, and I'm so stoked to be able to introduce to you Kim Inglis. So welcome, Kim. Thank you, Lisa. I'm very excited to have you here.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Good. I have actually had such a wonderful morning today, and I just wanted to share a little bit about that um, before we get into the episode. Um, I mentioned in the last episode that I'd made these really lovely friends at the gym and I joined them this morning down at Henley Beach um, for a little bit of connection and um, a bit of a cold dip in the ocean and I just feel super invigorated today, like I'm running on a bit of a high, which I'm very excited about. Cold dips are maybe not for everyone. You said you've been meaning to give it a go, right?
1: I, I like the idea of it. I just, <laughs> um, and I'm sure it would be amazing, but on. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite there yet, I'm afraid.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's okay. But in time.
1: Absolutely. You should come and join us one week. (laughs) I just, I need a bit of encouragement, I think, so.
0: Yeah, Mm. definitely. So that's something I guess I did for myself this week. I'm going to put you on the spot. Mm. What's something that you've done for yourself this week?
1: Uh, That's a really good question. So for me, um, number one, Thing for me in terms of maintaining good mental health and physical health is is exercise. So mm-hmm. running and and strength work. Uh, you know, I I try and do something every every day, um, yeah. and that you know, I find the times when I don't do that is, I guess, the times that I struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, that would be that would be the number one thing for me exercise absolutely lovely yeah.
0: I like that and it's a very important one I'm very similar in that yeah. aspect yeah. Yeah. yeah and then I'm going to flip it what's something that you've done for others this week
1: so I've uh last night I was fortunate enough to be asked to go out and speak to uh, a group of 70 farmers mm-hmm. in someone's shed about mm-hmm. My story and about men's mental health and 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 well being. So, you know, it it felt good to be able to go out there and and hopefully you know share some 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 lessons learned for myself and hopefully you know inspire them to uh, you know make some changes in their life and and perhaps you know speak up uh, about some stuff that's going on for them. So yeah. that's
0: really amazing. Yeah. Thank you. What was the name of the organisation?
1: So the organisation is called Chew the Fat. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just a organisation that just encourages um, men to speak up and talk about what's going on in their lives and yeah. hence the, the name, you know, Chew the Fat. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was amazing.
0: That's and, and it's such an important thing and I'm, like, super glad that there's people like yourself out there that are going out to do that.
2: So. Yeah, thank you. There's, Kudos. you know, there's...
1: there's as you would know, there's you know, mm. there's lots of people in that space now, which is a great thing because it hasn't always been the case, has it? So, mm-hmm. and you know, everyone's out there trying to do their little bit to, you know, make these make these changes. So
0: yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Good good job. Thank you. <laughs> I think my thing that I did for others this week was I went to donate um, plasma. Um, so I'm a, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a regular donator. Um, And something that I try to encourage others to do um, where they can. How often do you do that? I do it. uh, I used to go once a fortnight because that's how often you can go. Sure. Um, But realistically, I've probably been going once a month just because I've been a bit busy.
1: Yeah.
0: But I just think um, and the nurse that was there on uh, the other night when I was there, she said that she thinks of it as the easiest way you can save someone's life. Yeah. You know? So, and when you think about, like, I mean, we just have it, like, and and we can make more. So, Mm. like, why would I not want to help someone else by donating? Yeah, that's
1: amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I just, like, I think it's a nice little reminder, you know, to think about as well, um, you know, what have, you know, and anyone listening, like, take a moment and think, like, what have you done for yourself this week and what have you done for others?
2: For
1: someone else. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But anyway, it's a nice yeah. little intro to the yeah, <laughs> to the podcast. Yeah,
1: feel, feel good start.
0: Yeah, I know. Hmm. So um, we don't know each other. No. We, don't. <laughs> we do now. We do.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> but we've just met through LinkedIn, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some, some messaging and yes. first time face to face today. So yeah. it's amazing.
0: And that's yeah, like I was saying before, I, one of the reasons I'm so grateful for this platform is that I get to meet wonderful people like yourself more mm-hmm. regularly than I would potentially otherwise.
1: Yeah, it's you know, it's I've listened to your podcast that you that you put together, and it's just such an amazing thing that you do, and you know, such a great platform, I guess, for mm-hmm. um, you know, for sharing story and sharing sharing messages. So mm-hmm. uh, well done to you.
0: Thank you very much. It's very kind. Um, like I said before, I get so much out of this, it's almost selfish, you know. So, yeah, I'm grateful to have the space and to, yeah, be able to hold it for others. Yeah.
1: And sitting in this beautifully renovated kitchen, <laughs> it's amazing.
0: Thank you very much. <laughs> I wish I could say I did it all myself. Um, selections, yes, but yes. definitely not the labour. <laughs> yes.
1: No, I'd be the same, so yeah. I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> no,
0: we all have our skills, right? Correct. <laughs> All right, so would you like to give the listeners just a bit of an overview of, like, who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. Um, So my name's Kim Inglis um, Mm -hmm. and born and bred in South Australia. I've spent a little bit of time working up in the Northern Territory and in South West Victoria but, uh, yeah, predominantly have lived, uh, you know, the rest of my life here. Um, I was married, beautiful lady, Mel, two two daughters, uh, Claudia and Logan, and uh, about 13 years ago, we, um, we went on a family holiday on a houseboat with some really close friends. Um, came back, uh, it was nearing the end of the school holidays at Christmas time. Mel had organised to, uh, when we got back, to go and visit my sister, who was a hairdresser in, in the Barossa, to catch up with her and, and, um, and get the girls haircut before they went back to school and uh, yeah unfortunately they had a uh, had a crash on the way over and um, we had also brought back a, a little friend of my oldest daughter to stay with us uh, that week as well and uh, yeah they had a had a crash on the way over and and uh, all, all passed away so it's um, yeah it's just a life changing moment and you know I guess the 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 last thirteen years have been sort of trying to put my life back together and and overcome some of the some of the heartache and, and loss associated with that and mm-hmm. um, and it's yeah it's been uh, it's been quite a journey.
0: I can mm. I only begin to imagine. First of all, I'm sincerely so sorry for your loss Thank you. um, and everything that you've been through. And like I said, I can't even begin to put myself into your shoes to imagine the kind of loss that was experienced there. Was there a point at which you kind of knew something was wrong on that day?
1: Yes. Um, So on this particular day, I had got up, gone into work uh, because we just got back from a very busy holiday. We got back late the night before, we'd unpacked and... So I sort of got up and left without saying goodbye, like to anyone. Like being married for years and years and years, yeah. I could probably count on one hand the time that I'd, I'd sort of left without either giving Mel or the girls a kiss goodbye. And yeah. And this particular morning, I just thought, no, I'm not going to wake them. Everyone's tired. I'll just yeah. I'll just slip off to work, and I did, and I got into the city, um, into work, and went about my day, and and called Mel about half past ten just to sort mm-hmm. of. Find out what their plans were, and once then they sort of said she was going to go to Mount Barker. We live quite remotely in a little property outside of Mount Barker, and yeah, they were going to grab some lunch. Mill had a few jobs to do in town, and, and then we're going to drive over to see my sister and uh, get the get the haircut. And I guess when when Mill didn't turn up, you know, my sister had been trying to get hold of her, and so when she couldn't get hold of her, she rang me to see if I knew where she was, and 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 I didn't I'd sort of spoken about the conversation I had with her earlier, and um she hadn't told me that there were any change of plans, so you know yeah. she should have been there and and of course i I got off the phone uh, to mel and and uh, to my sister sorry, and tried to ring Mel and yeah, just each time it just went through the message bank i i don't know it would have run six or seven times i guess so yeah. and i don't know i can't I can't explain it, but it's just I just had this funny feeling that um that something wasn't quite right it, it and it just kept on getting worse and worse and worse each time I tried and couldn't get through and
0: and was it unusual for her to not answer like that
1: it was really unusual so you know Mel was a very organized person and mm-hmm. um you know would religiously if she was going to be late she'd always ring ahead, or if she had to cancel and you know yeah. even even if someone left her a message you know she would she'd bang she'd be on at first opportunity so you know, for her not to ring my sister to say that she was running late, or yeah. even not to get back to me, you know, like it was just it was just so out of character for her. So yeah,
0: yeah. so you yeah. would have started to feel that in your gut immediately. Yeah, you know,
1: to the to the point where it became so uncomfortable that i I decided to drive home to yeah. You know, maybe the car had broken down or Mel's phone wasn't working. So
2: yeah,
1: and yeah, so i I started off home and drove up uh, the freeway. And ended up calling in the police station because of this sort of feeling I had and...
0: Yeah, that instinct. Yeah, and just,
1: you know, I remember walking in and just almost feeling a little bit sort of silly. Um, mm. You know, I didn't know any, anything had happened at this mm-hmm. stage and Mel simply just hadn't turned up to an appointment and wasn't answering her phone and... and But, you know, such was this sort of feeling, this gut feeling I had that, that something wasn't quite right, so... Yeah, so I explained the situation to the lady behind the counter. Um, she couldn't help me. Asked me to sit down. Uh, there was a couple of police officers that were out on patrol apparently, who who were due back. And yeah, she said that that would help me. So, and I guess you know, sitting in the in the waiting room, I, I sort of noticed these two police officers walking up to the to the glass door, and yeah, I just. Just their body language and the look on their face, you know, I I knew that something had had happened, and you know, wow. I just remember walking through the door and my heart racing a million miles an hour, and um, you know, they they asked me to come into a into an interview office and uh, sat me down and yeah, said that there had been a crash and um and that there had been a fatality, and you know, I remember. This and I don't know whether I misheard him, but I remember there's like there a million things going on in your head, and I was I was trying to work out myself who who died, and you know, so I was mm. just thinking the different scenarios: is it is it you know is it Mel when okay bring up two girls without their mum? Is it
2: mm. was it one of the
1: girls, and how would Mel cope? You know, knowing that she'd been in a crash that yeah. killed one of her own daughters, or. You know the little friend of ours, and yeah, you know, it was it was her. like, I Had you go back and have that conversation to their mum and dad? So, right. and I remember asking who who died, and yeah, it was then that they said all, all all forward passed away. And I don't, um I find it find it really difficult to like put into words. It's like it's such a I, I'm I'm quite a practical sort of person, and mm-hmm. and. Most things I can work out a like a solution, and and I just I just felt this total um, first of all this total disbelief and this, but then just this total hopelessness. You know, like like I can't I can't fix this. I can't I can't make it better. I can't change it. Like it was just you know I just felt just the air like someone's punched me in the chest and yeah. just so many so many different feelings going yeah. through at that point in time
0: it mm. must have felt incredibly surreal
1: yes you know it was like um this stuff happens to other people like i what see movies. this stuff on the news yeah. or in the movies like you know i'm i'm just average joe blow here what why you know why is it happening to yeah. me it's like it was it was crazy um, yeah. yeah. And
0: what, how did that, like, do you remember any physical feelings at that time or did everything kind of
1: go numb? Everything went numb. And I just remember, you know, like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. What, what do I do? Like, it's just this, yeah, I can't, I can't explain it. It's yeah. just this total disbelief. Yeah. I I find it really hard to put yeah. in words, you know, it's, um,
0: and so they kept you there at the station?
1: Yeah, they did. Um, so, you know, I wanted to ring I wanted to ring George's parents, I wanted to mm-hmm. ring Mel's parents, I wanted to ring my parents. And, you know, quite rightly so, there's a process that they have to go through and, you know, they, they send like, um, mum and dad were in, in remark
2: mm-hmm. George's
1: parents were in Renmark as well and Mel's parents. So you know the process is that rather than ring, they send a patrol car around there and and yeah. obviously do it do it in person in case. understand. Um, oh, you know, yeah, player, and yeah. so that you know it felt there was an element of hopelessness in that I I couldn't tell the people most important to me or the people that are most important to the girls, and it felt yeah. wrong that they were going to find it out, from you know, someone. from someone else. But you know I I totally understand. That's that's what. That's yeah. what happened, so.
0: And so did they know what, the police that you were with at the time, did they know what had happened?
1: No, so so my sister got to the police station about an hour after I had heard. Um, yeah. She had obviously heard by that time and so she was there. Um, she, you know, she was the first family or anyone mm-hmm. that I had, had spoken or seen, really emotional time. And there were two police officers from for major crash that had been at the crash site and Yeah. And had come come to the police station and um yeah, and they were, you know, we're talking sort of two hours or so after the crash, two or three hours after the crash and and they were doing their best to sort of, you know, trying to explain what had happened. So Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So yeah. that was I guess realistically that's still quite a short period of time. At, it is. At, yeah. But at yeah. the time I imagine it probably felt like there was no time. Like I, I imagine that there's so much going on that you don't know if that was five minutes ago, was no. it an hour ago? Like no. time is not important in that. It's
1: it's not, it just become this sort of
0: um,
2: muddle.
1: This bubble that yeah. I was in, in this police station and you know, I guess I was uh, maybe there for th- three or four hours, I guess, like okay. over that afternoon. Um, yeah, just, going yeah, surreal. The, yeah, yeah, going yeah. through
0: that process, I guess, um, with the guidance of the, the police that were there.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I guess that, you know, and uh, with any of these things, you know, the police are pretty keen for next of kin to, to do an identification of, of those, right. so... So it was probably by this stage. It was probably five past five, six o'clock in the afternoon, um,
0: yeah.
1: And they would asked me to come down to the morgue in the city uh, where the girls had been had been taken to, and yeah. and my sister drove me down there, and um, the two police in major crash uh, came came down behind us, and yeah, I remember remember going in and and going into another interview room. Um, Mm-hmm. And the lady police officer, Kylie, was her name. Yeah, I just probably spent the next hour and ten minutes just describing my family who who just died. So, yeah, you know, obviously they get next of kin to do an identification, but they they need to have information to identify them themselves. So, you prior know,
0: to actually viewing. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I guess to make sure that they perhaps bring yeah, yeah and, um but just really you know it's quite it's quite distressing they've sitting down there and they're asking you to you know describe your family, so um you know they're asking you know their height and their weight and mm-hmm. skin com- skin complexion, color of their eyes, their yeah. hair, length of their hair, you know, jewelry that they may have been wearing that day, clothes that they may have had on, so yeah, so just stuff that you're sort of sitting there sort of just reflecting on you know on your family yeah yeah yeah. so uh yeah so that you know took probably about an hour hour and a quarter around 10 minutes to yeah to go through that um and then uh I was asked to go back out in the waiting room and for another 15 or 20 minutes sitting there with my sister and Mm -hmm. and then yeah being asked to go into another little room uh small room with a with a glass window and a and a and a curtain. Um, okay. You ask to step up to the window. Uh, there's someone on the other side. They pull the curtain across and and in this instance, yeah, Mel was she was on a trolley with a with a sheet over her, and they pull the sheet back and you make a you make the identification and uh, pull the sheet back over her and close the curtain and you go back out in the waiting room, wait 15 minutes and. and and go back in and do the same thing for, you know, Claudia and Logan. So, um...
0: I can, like, only, again, only begin to imagine how this must have felt, Mm. but to have to do it more than once... Yeah. How do you think you found the strength in that moment to do that?
1: Um, I don't think I did. I just did it. Um, you know, it's just... I think at this stage you're sort of just running on, on adrenaline, and mm. um, it was just something that had to be done. And yeah. in the moment, in the moment, you just you just did it. Like, you know, I don't know. It's, I sort of I think about doing that like still almost daily, and it's like wow. it's such a it's such a vivid memory. Like it was, like it could have happened yesterday. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I can I can still I can still sort of you know, visualize the whole the whole part of it. It's quite you know, just it um, yeah, it just occupies so much of your headspace. Yeah. 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 Does that ever get
0: any easier?
1: I think, you know, with the passage of time it this is the best way that I can explain it. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, you know, the whole the whole grief thing and in mm-hmm. doing that. It's like it's like going to see a horror movie and mm-hmm. You know, you go in there, you sit down in the theatre and you watch it and it scares the shit out of you, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you go away, you come back a week later, you see the same movie again, still scares the shit out of you but it's just a little bit less scary. Yeah. And, like, you go back and see it three, four, five, ten, twenty, thirty mm-hmm. 20, 30 times. Doesn't make the story any less scarier
2: mm-hmm.
1: but you become accustomed to it, I guess, and... yeah. You know, so, you know, it's still really, really painful, but I think you just learn to to find a place for it in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what happened that night? Did you go home?
1: Yeah, my sister drove me home. So by this stage it was probably half past seven, uh, quarter to eight.
0: Can I just say before we go on, so what time did you get to the police station?
1: Uh, probably about two, I reckon.
0: Yep. Right. So in the space of five and a half hours, you've been at the police station, yep. been delivered this news, yep. had to identify, and then you've gone home. Yep. Like that just seems crazy to me. Mm. Like, But I've never been through this, you know, I've never spoken to anyone who's been through this process before, but it just yep. seems so fast.
1: Yeah, it is. You know. um,
0: and then you just let just off you off you go back yeah, home. Yeah, I,
1: I don't think that they would have let me go home by myself. So my sister, yeah. my sister was with me, um, and and her husband, my brother in law. So yeah, yeah. So what
0: was it like coming home
1: that night? Um, it was a really quiet trip home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd left my car at the police station, so we called through there and my brother in mm-hmm. law drove my car home um, yeah Mum and Dad were home when I got there, so they'd driven up from Remark after they had heard yeah. and yeah, again, just a really really emotional time you know i remember I remember mum getting out of the car and running over and giving me a hug and and really up upset you know I remember looking over my shoulder and seeing seeing Dad there and you know, I was f- early forties when when it happened, and Dad was seventy three. Um, yeah. You know, as a forty two year old son, that was the first time I'd ever seen him cry. You know, like, wow. yeah. which is a whole other story. You know, yeah. like, what's yeah. what's wrong with that? That that you know, mm-hmm. that society or we put this pressure on us that we can't let our children Emotions. see. And, you yeah. know, he would have he would have he would have cried before You like. You know, it just doesn't make doesn't make sense, does it? That
2: yeah. It's
1: just the way that we're conditioned, I guess. As Definitely. men sometimes to be strong and stoic and hide our emotions. So yeah, um, but yeah, I and I remember I remember walking inside and the house was just as Mel left it. She'd put a slow cook lamb mm, thing that yeah. you know, she put it on to cook for dinner that night. She was still cooking. The thing that really blew me away was um so I said, we'd been on a houseboat for 10 days before that and that was the first, to- first time in 10 days that as a family we'd, we didn't spend any time apart. Um, yeah. And, you know, we as a family and, you know, Mel and I as a, as a couple, like we were probably in the best space we'd been as a couple and as a family, you know, we'd, we'd finally settled on our dream Property and yeah you know life was life was really good, but we'd yeah we'd spend all this time together and and Claudia uh, my oldest daughter had written a little posting note for me when I got home and stuck it on the fridge that said, "Dear Dad, I missed you today, I hope you didn't miss me too much and it was one of the first things that I saw when yeah. I got back inside on the fridge and um yeah it just it just broke my heart mm.
0: yeah. But what an ode to her! Like that, what a beautiful yep. girl she was. And yeah. she's left this lovely
1: message. Yep. I, I still have it, it's still on my fridge today. Yeah,
0: so, mm. but yeah, I mm. can imagine. Yeah. So, what did the next, you know, few days, few weeks, kind of look like for you?
1: It's. It was a blur. I. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't sleep that night. I mm-hmm. um, uh, remember, in the morning, packing up um, George's bag, the little girl that was staying with us. So, Mm. and someone had made some arrangements for me to drop that off to her mum and dad. So a friend drove me down to Adelaide. And so I remember rocking up at the house that they were staying at and walking down the driveway, uh, with George's bag and, you know, thinking we brought this little girl into our house, you know, Mm. um, And our our girls had gone to have sleepovers. That's just what kids like to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, as a parent, it's sort of this unwritten rule that kids are going to come back safely and and you're going to give other kids back to their parents. So, you know, just this thought of handing over this bag to her mum and dad who, you know, we'd known Georgie since he was, you know, maybe three or four weeks old and Mm -hmm. um, went to school with her dad and played footy with him, you know, Really good close friends they still are, but
2: yeah.
1: you know, just handing that bag over to them without being able to give them, give them back their little girl, you know, it's um. It's one of the most traumatic things I've ever had to do, you know, and and again, I like I think about I think about doing that and mm. how they felt and um, you know, Georgie's brothers and yeah, it just you know, it wasn't me. There was there was another family involved as well, and um, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it just again it just occupies a lot of your headspace. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. I can
0: yeah, imagine how, you know, I if it, if I'm try if I attempt to put myself into the shoes of someone who's going through that, mm. I imagine that would have been unwarranted feelings of perhaps guilt. Is um, that how you felt?
1: Huge Huge guilt. Yeah, um, and uh,
0: like unwarranted. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, yeah. we're our own worst enemies when it comes to these type yeah, of things. Yeah, right?
1: and just not feeling responsible, but feeling responsible. If mm. that, you know, we
2: mm-hmm.
1: brought this little girl into our house and we mm. and didn't protect her, you know, we couldn't, she couldn't go back to her mum and dad. And, yeah. You know, and there's this conflicting, conflicting emotions about, you know, there's there's four people here that's died and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to feel something for them as individuals and trying to process the grief for each different relationship that you had with each of them but then trying to do it collectively like as well. It's, um, yeah, Mm. it's it's emotionally taxing and, yeah, so those... 10 days after the crash you know there's there's so many things to do there was um obviously autopsies and and you know at the time we had issues with the coroner not wanting to release one of the girls you know making suggestions that one of the girls needed to perhaps be buried separately than than Mel and one of my daughters and and, you know, just the the anguish that that mm-hmm. sort of um, comes about as well and, and, you know, funeral arrangements and, you know, just coffins to choose, flowers to yeah. choose. What are the girls going to get buried in? Special things that they had in their life to bury them with. Yeah. So these are really important decisions that you need to make over a really – short compressed time you know that normally you want days or weeks to think about stuff like that and here you are you sort of got to do it over a over a really short time it was
0: and also these are probably decisions that you probably never expected to have to make
1: not in a million years exactly so
0: to now not only have to make them but to make them very fast yeah like that's that. Is a lot yeah. for anyone to deal with, and you know
1: there was there was family that tipped in and, yeah. and obviously yeah. helped with that process as well. But yeah, it's just uh, it's just a crazy time. Yeah,
0: mm. at the risk of it being a very stupid question, obviously this would have started to take a toll on your own mental health to some degree.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you remember how that started to present for you?
1: It it probably didn't in those ten days. Like yeah. Um, too much going on. Too much going on. You've just got all these, like there's just endorphins are just sort of taking mm. over, and you're in, you're going into sort of do mode, and
2: yeah,
1: and so it probably wasn't until the night after the funeral, um, yeah. I guess that it, you know, I hadn't been sleeping, um, and I remember after the funeral. Uh, sort of a bit of a wake back at our place, and I just remember coming home and just feeling so exhausted, um, mm-hmm. physically and mentally. Like just something that I've never ever experienced before. Just mm-hmm. this, just this level of fatigue, and you know, feeling that I needed to be there and sort of get around and thank everybody and mm-hmm. and and not feeling like wanting to do it um Mm -hmm. but feeling like i needed to and Mm -hmm. and fortunate um uh, a beautiful friend was sort of realizing what was going on for me and anyway just basically you know put put me to bed um at about sort of six o'clock that afternoon and yeah i just i just went out like a light and you know didn't wake up till the next morning. It was, I think, it was just the, the emotional sort of release or the finality of of the funeral that sort of, um, you know, perhaps allowed me to say, okay, you know, it's 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 done. You can you can rest and um, mm-hmm. exhale. Yeah, for a moment.
0: Yeah. Yep. You know? yep. Yeah,
1: because
0: you would. I think you'd said to me that like prior to any of, of this happening you had your mental health had been quite
1: good right yeah like we you know all married couples and families oh, yeah. have stuff that they go through and yeah. um you know we were we were as a family unit we were as tight and as happy and yeah. and and good as we you know we've ever been so mm-hmm. so yeah and it was just you know busy household both the girls played netball so there was training twice a week game on the weekend yeah they did gym uh competition gymnastics so training twice a week gymnastic competitions um mel worked at the school that the girls went to i had a full-time job Mm -hmm. um i was on the board of the school i chaired the finance committee like
0: nice you know
1: we had yeah we had a crazy life just in terms of busyness and Mm -hmm. structure you know like Monday was something, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday was probably the only night that we didn't have anything on as a family. And, and you know, to go from having that busyness and that structure one day mm-hmm. and the next day nothing, like it was probably the one of the more difficult things to sort of
2: mm-hmm.
1: get my head around, you know, I didn't, I didn't suddenly didn't have anyone that I needed to answer to or yeah it was just that was probably one of the toughest things and I had really great support from family and friends you know Mm -hmm. even in the weeks afterwards but Mm
2: -hmm.
1: life goes on and people need to get back to their own lives and and uh quite rightly so but you know I just I remember sometimes um, when I went back to work leaving leaving work in the afternoon Mm -hmm. and and then sort of just driving around to midnight some nights in my car just because I didn't want to go home and be there by myself, so. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. so just yeah. filling that, that time up before it was time to go to bed.
1: Pretty much, yep. Yeah. Yep. How long um, do you
0: think you went on like that for?
1: Definitely a couple of months, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing family and friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, they'd unbeknownst to me, they'd put together a bit of a, bit of a spreadsheet of people who would take in turns to make sure that i
2: Aww. I was
1: busy or I had things yeah. to do especially on the weekend so
2: that's beautiful um,
1: it is beautiful you know I sort of I don't know I haven't asked any of them but <laughs> i I just you know whether it was sort of a subconscious suicide watch maybe that they were putting in place for me um mm-hmm. you know because there was yeah, there was certainly some dark times at home by myself, sort of thinking, "What's the, what's the purpose?" Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely, definitely thought about it. Um, and it wasn't, it's was funny, it wasn't that I didn't want to be here. It's just that I wanted to be with them. And
0: yeah, yeah. That I think it's, that's uh You know, it's a very, like. I can 100% understand how you would feel that way in that time and you know I think a lot of the time well I shouldn't generalize like that but often for people when we're saying that we've felt suicidal we've had you know suicidal ideation it's not necessarily the fact that we don't want to live anymore it's that maybe you know it's Everything feels too hard, mm. or you've been through something very traumatic, and yeah. it's like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Just,
1: you just want the pain to go away. Exactly. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, it's less about not wanting to live anymore, and more about just not wanting to feel how yeah. we've been feeling. Correct. And yeah. for you, would you say that it was something at that period that you were thinking about daily? It was
1: no, not daily. Yeah. Um, you know i i was fortunate in that you know a big thing for me was and it sounds crazy but i like i took some comfort in knowing that they were all still together yeah if that makes sense yeah. um and so i think it would have been different if it was one of them and mm-hmm. and you know wherever they were having to do that journey by themselves you know yeah. um so I felt comfort that they were all together and but you know, like for me, the big motivation motivation factor for me was that you know i didn't I didn't want to let them down and um mm-hmm. you know they were such effervescent mm-hmm. beautiful high energy people that and I know you know with every every ounce of being that they wouldn't have wanted me to go down a self destructive path, and that they mm-hmm. Would have wanted me to sort of go on and be happy and live the best life that I can. So,
0: absolutely.
1: So that was really influential for me in terms of making good decisions. And mm-hmm. you know, the decisions came was about you know, is what I'm going to do. Is that is that going to make yeah. them proud, or is it going to disappoint them? And
2: mm-hmm.
1: it it became quite a thing for me to help me make good choices when it would have been easy to make. Not so good choices. Yeah,
0: mm. I like that. And I think that's a really beautiful way of, of looking at it. Mm. And, you know, I'm sure that you have made them very proud since then. So I hope that I'd you like feel that i like to think so, yeah. 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 So, you know, obviously you'd, you'd um, gotten to this point where, you know, you were feeling quite depressed or you know down and naturally Mm. so and you'd had these feelings um around suicide what how did you like move away from that or how did you go about getting help or what was next
1: yeah so so the suicidal thoughts you know they weren't ongoing um and you know in the in the weeks after I'd lost a lot of weight um Mm. Hadn't been eating or sleeping properly, and and in the weeks and months leading up to the crash, my eldest daughter Claudia had been training for some cross country runs at school. So, oh, nice. so I, I had after sort of not exercising for ten years, <laughs> um, <laughs> I had decided to go and and run with her to uh, just yeah. to help her train, and and so I'd sort of sort of start doing a little bit of running leading up there, and. Yeah, I was so unfit. Just, <laughs> I think back now and I thank God. Um, but I I started running again and yeah. I, initially it was a way that I sort of felt close to her because it yeah. was something that we were doing right up until the crash. And and so, you know, it, it was a lot for me. I got a lot out of it and I sort of almost sort of got off on the physical and mental pain of it because it helped me feel closer. Um, yeah. But sort of over time it sort of became less about Claudia specific and I like I just used it as a as a tool to help me manage the grief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those those people that have had grief will know that it's sort of it doesn't you know, grief doesn't give a shit where you are or what you're doing. It'll it'll hit you in a in the supermarket or if you're lining up for a coffee or in a meeting or whatever, you'll see something hear, something smell, something that'll remind you of of something um Mm -hmm. and you know so it it felt for me that I could get some sort of control and you know I I wouldn't listen to music I'd I'd run down a dirt road near home and you know I was I was by myself and I could I could just let out as many tears as I wanted to um without Mm -hmm. you know I I wrongly felt at the time this need to be strong and stoic for everyone else and so it was my way of i guess grieving uh mm-hmm. without having to do it in front of everyone else uh which was the totally wrong way to to be in the world and i didn't I didn't see anyone professionally for you know probably six months after um and even then you know i I stupidly went in with this thought of how could this person possibly help me. Or know what I'm going through unless they've been through it themselves and mm-hmm. so you know I didn't even I didn't even give it a chance mm-hmm. and you know so I walked out after one one session and you know just sort of blew it off and and went on my way of mm-hmm. you know supposedly trying to be tough and resilient and stoic and all mm-hmm. those things which which without a doubt helped me helped me to get through it all you know but ultimately it it was also this barrier for me to go and go and seek some professional help which you know which I um, obviously have Mm -hmm. over the years that over the years that followed so.
0: Why do you think you went that first time then if if that's how you felt like was it because other people
1: were? I think other people were telling me that I should should do it Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah I just you know Mm -hmm. I don't I, I can deal with this I can you know, um mm-hmm. you know, an unbeknown that's sort of eating you up inside and
2: and it would,
1: you know, it would it would build up and manifest and and, you know, all of a sudden you'd have these huge big releases and, you know, emotional sort of an emotional release I guess, which, you know, wasn't in a in a in a violent way or whatever, but it was it was, it was just unhealthy to keep like bottling volcano. it all up like a volcano yeah. and you know it was just a it's just a really unhealthy way of of doing it but yeah yeah certainly certainly running it it and I don't want to sort of over too too dramatic but it like I think it it, it probably saved my life in terms of running and having that having mm-hmm. that outlet um, yeah. I don't think
0: that's dramatic at all I think that's a very like reasonable Mm. sentence really like you've been through this huge thing everyone is different and we all need to find you know our way of of dealing with whether it's stress Mm. or anger or grief you know everyone is is different and you know we you know everyone is doing the best that they can in a situation with the the abilities yeah that they have and you know it wasn't that you know when you went to the um, psychologist or whoever it was at that mm-hmm. time? You know, it wasn't necessarily the right time for you or you weren't ready. It
1: was probably, yet, it was, you know, it was, probably, um, <laughs> it was probably the right time for me. It was probably the right time sort of two weeks after, but yeah, yeah, but but it wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared or ready to do it, you know, myself. Yeah. So, which, yeah, it's um. You know, it's hindsight's a marvellous thing and you'd do of it course. differently if you had your time over again, but that's yeah. the journey I was on. So yeah. but you know, like the whole running thing was, was great. It was so so good for me, you know, like it's just the you know, as you know, exercise in general, just Absolutely. the endorphins that you get afterwards and mm-hmm. you know, just even just you know, problem solving and mm-hmm. things that you sort of can't see a way through and suddenly become clearer at the end of it but
2: mm-hmm.
1: I sort of like I don't know I, I felt sometimes I sort of took it to the next level I sort of I found a way of sort of punishing myself as well like mm-hmm. I remember um going back to the Riverland to catch up with some friends and we went out we went out one night and uh, at a at a function and had some dinner and and you know I drank way too much and had a had a great time but you know maybe got home at half past three or four o'clock and I remember waking up at half past six and just feeling terrible you know like asleep hungover Mm. but but this overwhelming feeling of guilt and shame about going out and having a good time yeah you know I'm thinking you you're like who do you think you are your family's just died and you are going out and having this fun, like just the shame and the guilt about it. And yeah. I remember staying at some friend's place in Berry, and like I put on my put on my runners, and I ran from Berry to Paringa along the Sturt Highway, like twenty three kilometres. Oh. No water, dehydrated from oh. drinking that night. um...
0: That's more than half a marathon. <laughs> yeah,
1: and running, you know, on the side of a road next to one of the busiest highways. Yeah. And, and I just remember getting, getting to Pringle where Mum and Dad was and, you know, just obviously not uh, in the best version of myself, but, you know, I and it was, it was a punishment that I put myself oh, through yeah. for having that fun, but I think somewhere along the way I'd sort of realised that I perhaps wasn't a shitty person for going out and having a good time and... And, you know, I sort of had by the time I got there I think I'd sort of, you know, had cut myself some slack and good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But um, yeah, it's just
0: I think that's all part of the the process. Yeah, right? absolutely. You
1: know? Yeah. Um, but you know There's no you know, there's
0: no book or
1: no there's no manual for getting through this, you know, like there's no
0: right or wrong or no. one way fits all it's it's it a just a process makes, yeah. for each person. Yeah. So obviously the running was a huge part of, you know, what helped you and um, got you through this time and it was good for your mental health. Yeah. You said you did eventually start seeing a psychologist more regularly as well.
1: Yeah, so I remember and by this time I'd been really fortunate. Mm -hmm. uh, This was some years later um, I had met a uh, a lovely lady who's now my wife and, and, you know, she had... um, I guess become concerned about about me and mm-hmm. encouraged me to go and get a mental health plan, which I did, and and I sort of had a had a block of ten sessions with a you know with a therapist that I went to, and and that was you know that was really that was really good, and mm-hmm. um, I think it's just nice to speak to someone who's who's not emotionally involved in the situation as well and
0: Absolutely.
1: So that was you know, that was amazing and, you know, I, I haven't I haven't managed it perfectly from then on, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm sort of at the stage now where I can I can sort of realise when you know, when I am struggling and and when I do need to see someone and you know I'm trying to I'm trying to make it more about a maintenance program than and rather than letting it get to a point where something needs to be fixed, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So I think
0: you likened it to like having your car serviced, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So you know, we go and get our car serviced every every three months, so it doesn't break down when we exactly. need it the most. And yes. yet, our own mental health, we wait until the shit hits the fan before yeah. we go and do something about it, and it's too late, you know. So yeah. you know, I've, I've been to a therapist where I've booked in, and and I'm driving there, and I'm thinking. the hell am I going to talk about tonight you know like I'm feeling really I'm feeling really good uh, in a good space I don't need to do this you know I should cancel it but you don't you go there and sure enough something something will come up and
2: yeah
1: and you'll talk about it and and you move through it and Mm -hmm. you know it's amazing
2: yeah,
0: yeah, and I really resonate, that resonates with me so yeah. much because so often, because I just book my, like, appointments for the year mm. um, every couple of months. Yep. And... And often it'll be coming up to that um, appointment, and I'm like, I'm fine. Yeah. I don't even like. I don't know what mm. I'm going to talk about when I get there. Mm. And then I sit down on the couch, and I'm like, blah. Yes, <laughs> so exactly. much comes out. Yeah.
1: yeah, you don't realize how much you hold on. Yeah,
0: so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mm. So yeah, if anyone's listening and they're thinking the same way, like we feel you, but go yeah.
1: do it.
2: You <laughs> definitely. It. Mm.
0: So outside of that, what other things do you do to take care of your mental health, or you might call like self care, quote unquote?
1: Yeah, so uh, obviously exercise is a big one for me, mm-hmm. um, and you know I'm not, I'm not very good at it, but I, you know just just time for myself. Um, mm-hmm. So I ride I ride motorbikes, and you know I like I like getting out on that. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I go with mates, sometimes I'll just go by myself, and. Um, so that's a that's a big big thing for me as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I love I love the river. Um, mm-hmm. We've got a place up the river which had been flooded, so we're just sort of going through the whole insurance thing uh, with where, that at the moment. But where? but uh, it's a little place called Root, which is in between Swan Reach and Walker's Flat.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: So our our place got flooded and. Um, yeah, pretty much destroyed. So, For I anyone just, who's
0: not in South Australia, <laughs> there was some big flooding, <laughs> <huge> <laughs> along, flooding. The, yep. along our river land area, um, like hectic mm. flooding. So, yeah, lots of people unfortunately um, had a lot of damage to their yep. places so, there.
1: Uh, Two-storey shack and the water got up about halfway up the second storey. So Crazy. it's just like mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, you know, clearly first world problem um, mm. but you know, why I raised it was, you know, the river is my is my happy place I guess. Yeah. So uh, um, you know, growing up in the Riverland in Renmark, uh, mm-hmm. for those not in South Australia, it's a <laughs> beautiful town on the River Murray near the Victorian border. So you know, the river's been a big part of my life, um, you know, growing up. So, you yeah. know, I like I like spending time there. So Yeah. I'm
0: a beach girl. Are you? Yeah. We live
1: by the beach. <laughs> we live by the beach now. So oh, you've got both. We've sort of got the best of both worlds. Yeah. So,
0: mm-hmm. I don't know what it, Actually, we we're having this discussion this morning um, after we'd been for the cold dip when we went for coffee, and it's kind of like for the most people, you're either a river person yes. or a beach person. Yeah. And I just... I've been to the river a couple of times, and I'm just like, but the water is brown, and you can't see what's on the bottom. And then people who are like not beach people are like, yeah, but there's sharks and. So Sand
1: hits everywhere. The there's sheds. no there's no trees. There's no shade. So, um, yeah, my wife Kirsty, she's an absolute beach person, and yeah. we quite often have this this little um, not argument, but this of war, tug for of war. which one's yeah, better. Exactly. So.
0: Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you have lots of, like, little things then that you do to take care of yourself, yeah, which is yeah, nice. Yeah,
1: I think, you know, a big thing for me was that out of all of this I needed something positive to come out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I was probably about five, four or five years after and, um, like, I felt really, I remember feeling really guilty that i just sort of just slipped back into life You know what I mean, and and nothing was like what had happened had all been in vain, and and so you know I got down on myself about you know this huge thing has happened in your life and you've just gone back to just gone back to normality, you know, and so anyway I I sort of wanted to get involved and sort of the whole road safety space Mm -hmm. seemed. To be the you know the logical choice, so yeah, I got involved with a with a wonderful program run by the South Australian Metropolitan Fire Service called RAP Road Awareness Program, and yeah, so they go into schools and speak to Year Eleven students about road safety. Um,
0: Fantastic!
1: And so I've sort of been involved with that um, since, and mm-hmm. which I still am, uh, which I find hugely rewarding, and mm-hmm. yeah, I guess just sort of the last twelve months of sort of. Branched out, and you know, I was hearing people that were sort of taking different messages away from when I would speak in the schools, and mm-hmm. um, and you know, I, I, you know, I've, uh, I think I've, I've managed to get through all of this, but it's been in a really sort of unconscious way, without having sort of any emotional and Intelligence or awareness of myself of what I was doing or some of the things that I did well and some of the things that I didn't do well. So, you know, it's the last twelve months has been a real journey for me in sort of looking into that, doing a lot of reading and watching a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. and sort of going, okay, well, that's that's why you were feeling like that or that's why you did that or that's why you know you're able to get through that perhaps. Um, mm-hmm which has been, you know, again, it's just been a huge growth journey for me. Um, which is
0: incredible. Yeah,
1: and, you know, again, I've just sort of then wanted to go out and sort of share my story and share some of the lessons learnt to hopefully help, help people.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just such a beautiful thing that you want to be able to do that, like to have such um you know a, a very traumatic event mm-hmm. happen and and then all of you know the process that you've had to then go yeah. go through as well the ability that you have to then be like how can i help others is a beautiful quality yeah, so you should you. be very proud
1: it's um you know i remember i remember seeing crashes on tv on the news you know and you think yeah. oh poor person has passed away or been injured or whatever and and that was it, you know. I didn't, mm. I didn't have the awareness to think any further than that. And it's not until you go through something like that, and you know, and it's not just me; it's it's Mel's family as well. Yeah. It's my extended family. It's the girls' friends at school. Mm-hmm. The sporting clubs. Like it's it's the first responders that had to go there. You know, and yeah. and you know, I I I also tell the story. So Kylie, the lady police officer who interviewed me in the morgue about the girls, you yeah. know, during that process, she she maybe got up two or three times and had to leave leave the interview. And I didn't I didn't think anything of it. And it wasn't until we were talking some months later that you know she'd been in police force for ten or fifteen years, but it was it was her first week in Major Crash. So Major Crash is the unit that is charged with investigating all fatalities and, and serious industries, uh, in, injuries and so that was her first week, it was her first, was her first fatality oh. but, you know, she'd come into work that day, she'd left her two daughters at home with their dad who were the same age as my girls mm-hmm. and such was it had the impact of her just having to go through and do her job that she had to excuse herself from that interview, go out the back try and, try and compose herself and just, you know, um, come back in and do a job, you know, like we yeah. just, I think we take what these amazing people do for granted sometimes, you know, Absolutely. they see, they see and hear so much, mm-hmm. um, trauma and tragedy, you know, like it's, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, you know, I've just become a, a lot more aware of, of, mm-hmm. you know, the flow down effect of, of, of stuff like this. So, mm-hmm. You know, I I see something happen on the news now and it's like, yeah, I feel sorry for the person that's passed away but, you know, my heart then goes out for the family and I'm going, man, you guys have got such a journey to go on. And, you know, if I can somehow make that a little easier, Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, again, it's a selfish thing. It makes me feel better as well you know so that yeah. mm-hmm.
0: you are allowed to feel
1: good yes well, absolutely you know? yep, so, yep.
0: and we talked before about that power of like resonance mm-hmm. like you know potentially that you're able to help another family who's gone through something yep. similar yeah, is for sure. you know such a powerful thing
1: it is a powerful thing and yeah it's it's something ex- positive that has come out of yeah as such a tragic thing you know yeah yeah
0: and I think you know you mentioning first responders is an excellent call out as well um and with um like Manny Newlands who was on the podcast yep. as well you know there are like they don't get the praise no. that they deserve no. if anything sometimes it seems to unfortunately be the opposite or they've Correct. not done this enough or whatever it is yep. These people are on the
1: front line on our streets yep. and, yeah, definitely deserve extra kudos there. Police, ambos, fireys, CFS, SES, mm-hmm. you know, these these guys, they, you know, they go to crashes and they have to cut people out of cars and mm-hmm. they have to go and, you know, imagine imagine as a police officer going and knocking on someone's door Ugh. and having to, you know, tell totally someone that. that their son, daughter father mother's passed away you know like it's yeah yeah yeah
0: and then also like you think the doctors and the nurses like those people in the emergency room what all of this group of people take on if you're one of those people like
1: yeah
0: hats off to you a hundred percent because there's not that many people who can do those jobs
1: no no and you know I'm not sure they get the support that they need Mm. either you know like it's Mm. it's like a bucket it just the bucket just keeps on getting Fuller and fuller mm-hmm. and fuller until it overflows at some point. So uh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. What do you wish that you could tell your past self, or maybe someone who's going through something similar to what you've been through? Mm,
1: wow, That's <laughs> an awesome question. <laughs> um, just be kind to yourself. I don't know. There's so many sort of little sub stories to all of this, mm-hmm. and you know, I talk for days about stuff and. But it's just about, you know, it's I said before, there's no there's no owner's manual, there's no mm-hmm. book on how to get through this and there's no right or wrong way, it's just your way. And you know, not every day is gonna be great, but that's okay. And you know, you're not supposed to get over it in a year, two years, three years, ten years. It's yeah, you know, it is what it is and and sometimes society puts expectations on us how we're supposed to manage stuff but you know you've just got to do what's right right for you um and so it would be yeah be be kind to yourself yeah Um, Was probably the thing that I would tell myself yeah yeah
0: and I think you mentioned before around like speaking up and asking for help you know that there's so much support around you and that we don't need to be like Again, quote
1: unquote, like ashamed in asking for no. that help. And it's you know, I'm 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 55, and uh, you know, I definitely, I had a, an amazing childhood, uh, but definitely grew up in an era where, mm-hmm. you know, boys in particular was is encouraged to, you know, get up, dust yourself off, you'll be right, don't yeah. cry, you know, don't show emotions, um, be tough, be strong, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know that was that was modeled to me through the footy club at the time through my parents who were amazing people and strong resilient people but what it what it did is it put up these barriers that that you know i told myself that i could handle this and i didn't need to do it but you know in 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 reality you know what we need to encourage our our kids and people is is to be vulnerable and You know, vulnerability is one. To be vulnerable is one of the most courageous things you could do. Mm -hmm. You know, in the world, and it takes so much courage to to do that. And you know, but we we so often we have courage and vulnerability at opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, Mm -hmm. like you can't be courageous without vulnerability, and you can't be vulnerable without being courageous. And it's Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, I, I think we just need to break down some of those barriers and those stereotypes around. Uh, around that whole bullshit way of thinking that that you know it's somehow weak to stick your hand up and, and say that you've got a mental health issue. You know, we we go to the doctor and we break our leg. Mm-hmm. You know, why wouldn't we go to a doctor and seek professional help when we're when we're struggling mentally so
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's super important. Yep. And you know in in allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, you just don't know who's around you who's going to see your vulner- vulnerability, I've just destroyed that word, <laughs> and see it as permission yes. for them to also yep. do the same. Yep. You know, it's just so powerful.
1: It is huge and you sort of, I was telling you before mm-hmm. uh, we we started doing the podcast that I, I spoke to a group of men last night and shared my story and, you know, I had men come up to me and, and afterwards and, and share stuff with me about stuff that's going on in their own life that that they hadn't told people before, and mm-hmm. and it was it almost felt like, okay, I've seized this bloke getting up and, you know, putting it all out there, and maybe it's not so hard for me to, you know, share what's going on in my life as well. So, you know, it's just we just need to just need to normalise it, you know, absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that,
0: that's just, like, another one of those, like, examples of the power of connection. Correct. You know, and, and we need connection as human beings yep. and that's why, I like, groups like this I think are just so important. Would you say that you're starting to see a shift in men in that way and that you think that they are becoming more open to being open?
1: Yes, definitely. You know, I think uh, I've got to... I've got a sixteen year old stepson now um mm-hmm. and a fourteen year old stepdaughter and and you know i just i just notice how they are in the mm-hmm. world and they do it far better than I ever did and mm-hmm. you know so i think I think it's great I think there's still a lot of work to do in particular mm-hmm. to the sort of the older generation in terms of breaking down some of those barriers but it's like it's definitely it's definitely improving you know you don't, don't have to look back too far five ten years ago and and you know, conversations that we're having today, and the podcasts that we're listening to today, weren't there five or ten years ago. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so it's it's definitely it's definitely improving without a doubt. Yeah, we yeah. just need to continue continue the conversation and get more people talking about it, um, mm-hmm. and just and just normalise
2: mm-hmm.
1: normalise the whole conversation. And you mentioned before about connection and community. You know, vulnerability sort of accelerates that connection doesn't it like
0: definitely you know
1: I met you today for the first time and you know we've shared some stuff about each other and you know I, I could have met you in a coffee shop or at a pub or whatever mm-hmm. and we could have had a surface conversation that you walked away and said "Yeah, you know we've we've met but the level of connection I think that we have now after sharing some stuff about each other is you know that's just Mm. We've, we've probably accelerated a relationship that maybe to get to where it is now may have taken six months. At least, bite. yeah. Do you and understand? In the quote-unquote,
0: yeah. I don't want to say yeah. real world, but in the, like, less vulnerable, yes. surface-level world, yep. yeah, you very so right. many of
1: us live in, you know, like it's, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a
0: great point. Thank mm. you for saying that. You're welcome. <laughs> we have made it a connection. Yes. <laughs> so... I'm glad to hear that from a male's point of view that you feel like things are starting to, to change because, yeah. you know, I am vocal about mental health in general yeah. but I have a extra um, concern uh, in the men's mm-hmm. mental health space yeah. um, for, for good reason yeah. in my personal life and, you know, I think... I know about the women, uh, most of the women in my life, I could tell you if they've had some mental health struggles or not. Yeah. yeah. But I know there's men in my life that would have had mental health struggles, but I don't know about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying everyone's going to tell me about their mental health no, struggles, no. but it's because they, they are keeping it inside yeah. or keep it to yeah. themselves, whereas women... In general, we're more likely to put our hand up and say, "I've yeah. I've been through this" or "I have felt this yeah. way." Yeah. So, yeah, it it just it makes me happy that um, that you feel like yeah. there is progress happening in that space.
1: Yeah, you know, we, we just need to need to take off these masks that we wear, you know, and mm-hmm. just um, you know, we have a mask for work, we have a mask for home, and yeah. mask that we wear at the footy club. You know, we just we just need to take them off and be ourselves and
0: and. Authentic.
1: Um, yeah, authentic. Yeah, authentic, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I have to say, and I did I briefed on this um, in the last episode as well, like I'm finding more and more evidence of that out in the world mm. now with the men that I've been meeting yeah. and the conversations that I'm having. So, yeah, it brings me, um, without sounding too dramatic, hope. Hope, yes. <laughs> yeah. it's,
1: it's It's moving in the right direction, no doubt about that. So, yeah, yeah. And fantastic. You know, it's still a lot of work to do. We just got to keep the momentum moving forward. So
0: definitely, and with people like yourself out there doing what you're doing, I think that's and, very good. And you, it's a team effort. Yes, High absolutely. Five.
1: High yes. five.
0: Yes. So, looking back in hindsight, and I know this is a tricky question. Yeah. People hate it when I ask it, but I'm going to ask anyway. Looking back in hindsight, and everything you've been through, how do you feel about it?
1: I'll be upfront. There's so there's an element of shame and guilt that I carry around knowing that it took something like that to happen uh, to become a better person and I do, I do sort of question why it took something like that to happen like for me to um, become that better person. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there is some shame around that. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, I'm also, yeah, I'm sort of also proud of the work that I've done on myself and like, I am, I am, (laughs) talk to my wife, I'm, (laughs) I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination and I've got so much more work to do, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, we're on a, you know, we're on a path and, um, you know, I'm also a big believer in at points in your life, you've on this growth trajectory, all the time, you know, you need to, you need to still be able to sort of stop and reflect and appreciate yourself for who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, we're, we're on this trajectory that we strive to be better and to grow and all the rest of it, and that's mm-hmm. and that's great. But, like, you know, don't don't ever think that you're not enough for the person that you are in this point in time as well. So, yeah. you know, you just need to appreciate you for who you are and mm-hmm. all your flaws and, yeah. um, and yeah.
0: And I think like to show kindness to yourself and that when you go through anything, you're, you deal with it in the best way you can you can with what you have at the time, like Correct. we said. Yep. And, you know, we can't always control what happens to us, no. but we can control what we do with it moving forward. Yes. And so yep. I hope that one day that shame and that guilt turns into just complete pride mm. because it's all that you deserve to feel. Thank you. Um, And I literally met you up an, an hour and a half ago and I feel so proud of you mm. um, because not only are you, you know, doing things that are now good for you, but you are trying to make the community and other people's lives better yeah. and not everyone f- does that not everyone feels that way no that's right yeah you know I think I hope that yeah you Mm. walk away today feeling a little bit of that thank you um so yeah and Mm. I think it's great what you're doing
1: thank you I just I just also um just want to acknowledge Kirsty, my wife absolutely Um, so she you know she has been such a big influence in my life and Mm -hmm. and you know, has been on this this journey with me. We've mm-hmm. since had a beautiful little girl together, Maisie, and I've got Aww. two amazing step stepchildren. So, you know, I've I feel really fortunate. I've I've almost got a second chance of life again, and mm-hmm. um, you know, chance to be a father again. So, you know, it's and I think that's really important as well. You know, yeah. it's I've I've sort of I guess allowed myself to love again and open my heart up. Um,
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's definitely been you know part of the recovery process and um mm-hmm. yeah you know you you're you know life life goes on it doesn't mean that you forget or or you know your grief gets oh, any less, yeah. but you know life goes on and you've um you know i've still got a long way to go and and you know i just i I want to be happy I you know I want to live the best life I can and I know my mm-hmm. girls would have wanted that you know as well so but
0: absolutely um
1: yeah big part of why you know I am in such a good place is is the family that I have around me at the moment so yeah yeah
0: I think you are very very much surrounded by love
1: I feel it yes yes yeah. and
0: obviously we have first Mel Claudia Is it
1: Yes, and Logan.
0: And and Logan. I'm sure that they are watching you and they are so proud of you. And then to have Kirsty and your children.
1: Yes. Names? Uh, Maisie. Yeah, Maisie, yes. And then Archie and and Charlie. And you
0: deserve that love around you and I'm just, yeah, I'm sure that they're all super, super proud of what Mm. you've done. Thank you. (laughs) Well... I think that brings us to the end of the episode. So I just want to say again, thank you so much. You've driven here from completely the other side of Adelaide today and given up some of your time on a Saturday to give to me and the listeners. And I just know how much this is going to help so much, um, so many people out there in our community and it, worldwide. I've got listeners in the UK, <laughs> you know, so you just never awesome. know where this yeah, is going. <laughs> So anyway, thank you so much for joining me,
1: Kim. It's my, my absolute pleasure. Yeah,
0: thank and you. it was a pleasure to meet you. Likewise. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, guys, that's the episode today. Thank you again for joining us and I look forward to seeing you next time. Dewey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Even better, if you know someone who might benefit from listening to it, please tell them all about it. You'll find more information from today's episode in the show notes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on High Tide, Low Tide, please email me at lisa, spell L-E-S-A at hightidelowtideau.com or DM me on Instagram at hightidelowtideau. See you next time!